0: You'll notice that the worship team is still on stage behind me, and that is because they have prepared something very special that they want to share with you. So I want to encourage you to enjoy it, and if you know the words, to sing along.
1: Take
2: relatively new. Our our, our tithing experience and journey is, I would say, within the last 12 years.
3: My parents, um, I don't think they ever tithed. I mean, I remember Dad sticking his hand in his pocket and maybe taking out a 20 or whatever, and he would hand it to one of us girls and we could put it in the basket, and that was always a big deal.
2: I don't remember ever seeing my parents give, but I I believe we had received a message, and then she was a big catalyst to push to say
3: it, it hey we need
2: a, to we need to step up
3: i think with that message what um what i heard for the first time <laughs> it's the only place in the bible malachi 3 9 through 10 i guess where god challenges you to test him in it like i will open this you know storehouses of heaven and i was just like we need to do that. I mean, if God is challenging us to test Him, we should embrace that.
2: And we ripped the band-aid off pretty quick. It wasn't like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do one percent. Then we're gonna do. I, I, I he think he was we, a
3: little panicked. Oh yeah, yeah. Those were,
2: right, because we were sitting down and I was and she like, just like no, we gotta we're go. we're gonna do this. And, and we did. Probably within two months, we made the complete shift to the the ten percent. And to Janine's point, it, it really has changed everything. So, so people think that, oh, you, you made that pivot quickly because you could afford it. We had debt, we, I mean, we had overextended. I mean, I go back and, you know, look at that, and um, yeah, we were overextended and not doing the right things. we are
3: living paycheck to paycheck, pretty yeah. much. Just like I think a lot of people do, It. I mean, you, You know, we were always living slightly above our means, you know, and making it, but it wasn't ever comfortable. We were all, there was always that stress um, around finances, I would say. But in that, he's, he's given us opportunity that we never would have gotten to have if we hadn't built that discipline of tithing. It's allowed us to answer the big asks that come along. You know, we've That's had yeah. we've had opportunity, a, a dear friend of ours, single mom, two kids, um, had her car burn up on the highway, and you know, God just kind of prompted us, give her your car. I, d- I never thought in my life I would ever give somebody a car, you know, besides a family member or something, and, and so we just contacted her and we were like, you want our car, and she was like what are you talking about you know and but it was such a yeah. blessing and it was something she couldn't have replaced on her own and that was something that i don't think if we were obedient in the tithe and to see how god can work through that like those big ass that come along you just they seem insurmountable like well how are we going to do that and
2: he always shows you the way and and yeah. now
3: it's like when those promptings come we're like okay we don't know what that's gonna look like or how that but it is it's joyful to be able to do it and and trust yeah. that he's got it you know we don't have to worry about it
2: the transition to tithing and and embracing that that discipline um that has been i would say the the, the game changer for our you know, for you know, for our family and for our, you
0: know, for our life. welcome to 2023. Welcome to a church full of people sitting here going, "Really, man? We just showed up for a message on giving. Is that what's going?" On? Listen, I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and I wasn't always raised in a church. I know what you're thinking. You're not fooling anybody, man. But did you see the the, the message in that? And believe it or not, the thing that I want to focus on has nothing to do with your money. I don't want to talk about your money. I want to talk about something that was in that that, uh, that um, video right there. That that was that, That's a testimony of somebody who came and embraced Jesus, walked with the Lord, and then came to a place where they heard something in the Scripture that they had not been confronted with before and decided that something had to change, and now you're like, okay, now I get the David Bowie 1971 song, right? It's like, oh, now I see where you're going, Pastor Joe. I get that. Listen, I want to talk to you about radical change today. We're going into 2023, and I want to assure you of a couple of things. And and, and you can just write this down. You can you can tattoo this on your on your arm or on you know one of your children's forehead so that you always see it when you're yelling at them. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. If nothing changes, changes then nothing ever changes. You say, well, duh. No, not duh. We live in a world of people that that can say that out loud, but don't live that out loud. They're not willing for the change. They don't like the change. The change is uncomfortable. The thing that I want you to focus on in that video isn't that these people suddenly stopped and said, wait a minute, tithing is actually 10%. That's what the word means. What I want you to focus on is when Kurt said, we didn't go about it a little bit at a time. We reached over and grabbed the band-aid and ripped it off. And then he went on to say, and it hurt. It hurt to do what God asks us to do. And it's that that I want to challenge you on going into 2023. If there's not going to be radical change, then we need to talk for just a second, because that's what we're looking at. You know, I've been wanting to do this series for a long time. Just every once in a while, I see a a social media meme and, you know, some guy sitting at a desk in a park or something, and it says, you know, like, Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady will ever be. There, I said it. You know, and it's like, you know, I want to do a, I want to do a, a Christian series. I want to do a sermon series called There, I Said It, that I get to do the exact same thing. And I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, you know, the challenge is, I don't want to be up here swinging a club at you. I am not interested in doing that. But I am interested in walking with Jesus to the degree that Kurt Mosier and his wife were walking with Jesus when they said, you know what, we saw something, and we had to rip that Band-Aid off and say, something has happen to change radically. So what would this sermon series look like? Why would it? Well, I've seen um, social media memes. It's like, hey, REO Speedwagon is better than Rush will ever be. There, I said it. Okay, for those of you that were, were you know, raised on music in the uh, 70s and 80s, there you go. I said it. Okay, let me just get a little super sensitive with some of you. And maybe this is going to mess with your, your musical theology, but I'm going to do it anyway because this is the truth. Taylor Swift has never been country. There, I said it. Okay? So stop pretending that she is. All right, oh, here's another one. Simon and Garfunkel, greatest duo ever in the history of music. There, I said it. They just are. All right, and the last one I want to share with you, and uh, I don't know if this will make it my last sermon um, in this church, uh, but here it is. All right, pumpkin spice is not a season. Fall, winter, spring, and summer. There, I said it. Okay, that's it. But but that's where it is. And so today I want to launch this sermon series with this right here. If you aren't experiencing radical change in your life. You aren't following Jesus. There, I said it. If you are not on a regular basis wrestling with the teachings of Jesus Christ from the Bible, listen to me, it doesn't matter what Pastor Joe says, doesn't matter what a pastor you grew up under, doesn't matter what your granny said. What I want to say is you need to open up your Bible and say, if I'm a Christian, then I should be following the teachings of Jesus. And when the teachings of Jesus confront me, I should not be changing the teachings of Jesus. I should be changing radically my own personal lifestyle my own personal understanding, and that's what we want to go into. In Matthew 28, Jesus said that we were to go and make disciples. He said that we were to teach people everything that that he taught us, okay? So teach them we should love people. And then finally, he said you should live ready to go home. So going home, that's the goal. This week already, I got to pray with a baby in a hospital whose insides are on the baby's outsides. Okay? It, it's devastating. Some of you know the situation. You've been praying about it. It's, it's difficult. Okay? Um, then a couple of days later, um, I was asked to do a, a funeral for somebody who lost somebody very near and dear to them. And so we're seeing that life continues to go on. But in all of these situations, my personal goal has been to focus on home. Going home. Home. For you and I, as Christian people, our goal is to go home, walk into the presence of Jesus Christ, and hear Him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. We're only here, Well done, if we're doing what He said, and that's going to be the challenge. So, what do we mean by home? What is home? Well, I want to take you to Revelation chapter 22. I'm going to read it out of this thing right here. It will always show up on the screen, but I want to share with you the scripture itself. And it says right here in chapter 22, we're at the end of the book we're at the end of the book all right and what does it mean for us what is john or what is god through john getting across to us and it's this picture of home in in uh, in uh, revelation chapter 22 beginning of verse 1 it says then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of god and of the lamb down the middle and of the great street of the city on each side of the river stood the tree of life. So the root system is is is, is like a, one of those trees down in Louisiana. You know, it spans, and the river goes right underneath of the tree of life. Okay, and it bears tw- uh, twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every single month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night, they will not need the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign for ever and ever. The angel said to me, John is saying, the angel said to me these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angels to show his servants the things that must take place. And then Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps these words of the book of this prophecy. And and the book he's talking about is is the book of John, um, the revelator, the book of revelation, and that's what he's doing. And so we have this picture, and this is what home is like. And Jesus said that we are going to go home because He is going to prepare a place for us so that we can also be where He is. That's our inheritance, but it's not our work, all right? But as we focus on this going into 2023, at the end of the day, God is calling you and I, as we anticipate going home, to radical change. The funeral that I ended up doing this week was for somebody that I had never met in my life. So I walked into a room and there was a couple in there that we knew very well, but at the same time, they were the only people that we knew and I didn't even know the deceased person. And so what do we talk about? We talk about the fact that the day will come if the trumpet doesn't blow, that you and I will be in that same situation. The body that we're wearing right now will be in a casket, but you and I will be in the presence of the Lord because the scripture says to be absent from the body is to be be present with the Lord. And then what will we say? What will happen? What goes on? And so that became the message of what's going on is that we're going home. But the fact of the matter is in anticipation of going home, there is an expectation from God of radical change. That's what's for you and I. We need to hear that God says that the world that you and I live in is going to do everything it can to call us away from God. It is. Paul tells Timothy this in 2 Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. So as we go into 2023, this scripture right here is on my mind. It's on my heart. And and I'm saying, God, what do you have for us? And what do you expect of us? And check this out. Check this out. God says to Timothy through Paul, you need to hear this. And as a result of that, it gets canonized, and now you and I hear it. This is the word. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage people with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them, A great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths but you keep your head in all situations endure hardship that lets us know it's coming right endure hardships do the work of an evangelist all right and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Care about people, pray for people, anoint people, marry people, bury people. Do the things that you've been called to do as you lead the church forward. Not church like a building, not church like a denomination, church like a capital C, children who belong to God Almighty. As you lead them forward, be involved as their under shepherd. Somebody once said, Pastors are the Lord's sheepdogs, not his um, um, supervisors. We gather the sheep together to protect them, not to boss them around. And Paul is telling you and I, just like he's telling Timothy, this is the world that you and I live in today. And the church is supposed to be the, the entity that sounds the call for radical change in our lives that the world sees and questions us about. It's a call to return to God and his ways. As I was looking about this and thinking about it, I was remembering Ezekiel in chapter 33, where the Lord says through Ezekiel, he says, son of man, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, he's saying, son of man, Ezekiel, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word that I speak, And give them a warning from me. Now, I'm looking at the emphasis that's put on Ezekiel, not the people necessarily. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die. And if you don't tell those people to turn from their ways, to dissuade them from the ways, that wicked person will die for their sins and I'll hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn away from their ways and they don't do it, they will die for their own sin, though you yourself will be saved. Son of man. Say to the Israelites, this is what you are saying. Our offenses and sins weigh us down, and we're wasting away because of them. How can we live? And that's our society today. That's our culture. That's our lives. It's our families. It's our marriages. It's our relationships. And God says, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn. Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? And in this situation, the children of Israel were getting caught up with pagan religions around them because the pagan religions were fun. See, the problem with sin isn't always necessarily that it kills us. It is that it is enjoyable. If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. The problem is, it's, it's like eating something that you know will kill you. You've got an, allergic, an allergy to peanuts, and you're like, I know, but my tongue says peanuts are yummy. So you eat the peanuts anyway, and then you die, and then you say, God, why did you let me die when you meet him? And the Lord said, I told you not to eat peanuts. And, and we want to blame God for the things in our lives. When we totally ignore God in our lives, and that's what he's saying here, and, he, and, and he's challenging um, Ezekiel, and he's saying, listen, I want lost people to be saved. I'm telling you right now, according to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, God is not mad at this world. He's not fed up with it. He's not repulsed by it. He is not done with it. He is not a whole lot of things. He is trying to see people come to that radical understanding of to come away from a sinful life because God has so much more for us to embrace. And in doing so, the life that we live ends up being amazing. God wants to see people saved. The pastor of the church, the prophet of the community, is supposed to be challenging people about their sin, but we don't like that. But we'll talk about that in another message in this sermon series. But check this out. I believe that we're a lot like that check engine light in your car. If I was to raise my hand and say, "How many of you got a check engine light that's on?" <laughs> I'm afraid that a lot of you would raise your hand and say, "Yeah, that little sucker came on a couple of weeks ago, you know, right before Christmas." But you know, it's only yellow, so I'm not doing anything about it. Isn't that how we do? You know, it's like it's only yellow, so it's not anything important. It's okay. Just, just you know, I, one person said, "You know, if you want that check engine light to go away, go to um, Ace Hardware and buy a roll of black electrical tape." And just stick it right over top of it on that little thing so that you can't see it. Because if you can't see it, it's not there, right? You know, and, and then you're good to go. Just keep on driving. It's okay. But, but check this out. You know, the, the check engine light comes on because, you know, your vent for your gas tank, you know, chokes up. And, and a lot of times you'll go in and somebody will put a meter on it and they'll say, listen, uh, what you're going to notice is that your car is going to lose about one or two miles per gallon in your driving. But, you know, if you don't want to change that because it's like $9,000 to have somebody, you know, do don't. But I would encourage you to go get it fixed. I really would, okay? And I know some guys in this room right now that would be happy to help you get that sucker fixed, all right? But what happens when when that red light comes on? Because there are some lights in your car that don't go, you know, like pale and then yellow and then orange and then red, you know, like that. Sometimes when your oil gets a little too low because you haven't changed it, I don't know, about 20 or 30,000 miles. OK, you know, you got a car and your parents, you know, they taught you how to drive and you're driving the family car around. And they're like, this is going to be what you drive. And, and then, you know, a little red light comes on. And you're like, oh, hmm, I must need to fill that up before it runs out. You know, I know somebody that that was their belief system. That oil light came on and it was red and they thought, oh, I must still have a couple of more miles to go before it happens. And they drove it, I don't know, for another couple of hundred miles. And then when they were stopped at a stop sign and the motor seized up and welded to itself, literally welded to itself, they're like, I don't know why the car won't go. And when her dad showed up, he says, well, what was going on? He said, well, you know, that little red light's been on for a little while. I think it's just out of something. And it was. It was was out of oil. And it was terrible. I think the church, I think you and I are called to be those warning lights, those caution lights. For the world. When the yellow light comes on, it means, hey, there's something there you need to look into. You need to be aware of it. Something's going on in your life. Don't blow past it. And if you need to go sit down with somebody and say, hey, I need to talk about this yellow light in my life. Um, you know, it's bothering me a little bit, but I don't like it. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes the yellow light. They wish it wasn't there because when you go to trade your light, your car in, if all the little lights are on, you're not going to get anything for your car when it's time to get another one. You're not. So you want to keep it up and running. Same thing is true of your life. In your relationship to God, there are little flags that come up, little lights that come on. And we dare not just blow past them and ignore them and say, no, that's okay, I can do this. But I've come to believe that the church is supposed to be the check engine light for the world. And I mean in a healthy and, 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 and careful way. It's a, it's a check engine light for the culture, so to speak. But there are entirely too many pastors that will not say what needs to be said because it's polarizing. It won't make them popular. Listen to me. I do not believe that a pastor should ever get up and start throwing rocks at people. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe that we're called to say this is what the Bible says. The Bible says no about this. The Bible says yes about this. The Bible says don't do that. And when you start rationalizing why you should do that and you start living in a hypothetical situation, Man, that's the worst place in the world to get your theology from. What did Jesus say? What does the Bible say about what the Bible says? We live in a world today where the church can't talk about sin because somebody might be offended, honestly. I'm I'm just listing some things as I was studying for this and praying for this. We can't talk about sex in the church because somebody might be living in sin or they might be embarrassed or they might, I don't know. I mean, when was the last time you walked into church and the pastor got up and said, now we're going to talk about sex today? And people will say to me, sex doesn't belong in the church. Yes, it does. Sex was created by God, and God said it was good. And you're going to leave it to the culture of the world and then wonder why your children get distracted or or get the wrong information or, or end up in real bad situations. It's because people keep saying the church shouldn't talk about that. If it's in the Scripture, the church should be talking about it. There, I said it. We should be. We have to be. We can't talk about money because somebody's rationalizing their greed. It's like, nah, we can't do that. I'm trying to find a way where this, that, and the other thing. Listen, I'll talk to you all day long about your money, but let me tell you what Jesus said, okay? And you argue with Jesus. Don't argue with me. I'm not up here to tell you what Joe Wood said. Jesus specifically said this, and let me quote it to you. Use worldly wealth to make money friends, so that when you don't have any wealth, they'll take you in. Now, all I want you to do is wrestle with that. At the point that you start rationalizing that, you're not following Jesus anymore. I will challenge you in that, okay? All right, here we go. Let's go on. Can't talk about forgiving people because I've been hurt too bad. Can't talk about hell because people want to pretend inside the church there's a movement going on. We want to pretend that hell doesn't exist or it means what we're living through right now. That is not what Jesus said. Jesus was crystal clear on hell, okay? Uh, We can't talk about divorce because it's a little too common. We can't talk about sacrifice because nobody wants to do it. We can't talk about Jesus at all because too many people think that Jesus is not the only way. He's just a way. And we can't talk about Jesus being offensive because everybody wants to believe that all he does is love, 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 love. And I'm just here to tell you, if you open up your Bible and were to read the red letters in your Bible... Okay? Just in the the four, what we refer to as the four gospels, there's only one gospel, but four counts. And you realize how people responded to Jesus when he got done preaching. They took him up on a hill, wanted to throw him off. They looked for a way to kill him. They became incensed. They um, became even more angry. Um, They gathered together and decided there's got to be a way that we can kill him. This is a guy that's not offending anybody? This is a guy that's not saying something that's challenging people's lifestyle, I'm telling you, he challenged the lifestyle of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Christian people, the Christian leaders specifically, and said, listen, you're using people to get rich, and it's got to stop. That's the message he kept shoving in their face. You are not caring for the sheep. It's Isaiah 58. You're fleecing the sheep and then eating them. And it needs to stop, and that's, that, that's just true. There it is. But what, that ha- what happens then is all that's left for pastors is to, be, is to become self-help gurus in a world of people that need professional counseling to overcome their circumstances rather than to continue to wallow in their circumstances. Listen, I'm all about professional counseling because I see one as often as I need one, and I have seen one for years. I think it's the best thing that you can do. Some of you in here, I've hooked you up with my counselor and you're seeing him. Smart people get help. That's what they do. They get help. It's it's a good thing. But at the end of the day, if the warning light doesn't come on in your relationship to Jesus, our lives will crash. And they'll burn. And that is not what God wants. Ezekiel, again, in chapter 22, spoke and said, the word of the Lord came to me and, and said, Son of man, say to the land, you're a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in the day of wrath. There is a conspiracy of her princes. If this is not the world you and I live in today. There is a conspiracy of her princes within her like a roaring lion tearing its prey. They devour people. They take treasures and precious things and make many widows within her. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between holy and common. They teach that there's no difference between the unclean and the clean and they shut their eyes to keeping of my Sabbath so that I'm profaned among them. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing apart their prey. They shed blood. They kill people to make unjust gains. Her prophets say, this is what the sovereign Lord said, when the Lord has not spoken at all. The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy, mistreat the foreigners, denying them justice. I looked for somebody among them who would build up the wall before me and stand in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it but I didn't find anybody so I'll pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery angry bringing down on all their heads bringing down on all their heads what they have done declares the sovereign lord and this is god speaking to israel as israel walked away from him and nobody wanted to listen to what the lord said and and basically this is the scripture people will point to when god said i need a man to stand in the gap and by man, that needs to be the church family. The church family has got to be willing to say, no, stop, quit, make it end. Whatever that, that needs to be, there's got to be a place where we're willing to say that. Now listen, we don't expect sin for, sinful people to live like Christian people. But as Paul said in his letter, I believe it's to the, um, to the Ephesians, let you and I, let's you and I live up to that which we've already received. If you and I have received the grace of God and the forgiveness of our sins, and we are full of the Holy Spirit, then you and I should be getting, continuing to, to, to be changed from glory to glory, radical to radical, different to different. We should be continually changed in our language, in our activities, in our drinking, in our partying, in our viewing, in our singing, in whatever it might be in our life. There shouldn't be this continual throwing rocks at anybody. There should be embracing a relationship with God Almighty that continues to call us away from what the world continues to throw in front of your eyes even and say this is normal it's not normal it will never be normal by definition it will never be normal and I would encourage us to be a people that can gracefully say as we continue to change and grow that this is what it means to follow Jesus I don't expect the world to follow Jesus I encourage people to meet him and in meeting him Their life is radically changed. And I love the stories of the Mosers. And some of you have shared your stories in here as well, where God has taken your life and done this. And the question will be, when was the last time something radical happened in your life? At some point, Paul will say, we have to get to the place where we're not just talking about coming away from murdering people. There must have been a lot of murdering going on during Jesus' day. You know, just like, hey, you know, your dog did this on my lawn and you're not taking care of it, so, ah, you know. We just killed him. It's, it's just easier to, easier to deal with. Because Paul says over and over again, some of you used to be murderers, and we're not that anymore. But Paul tells us, we, you know when we first meet Jesus, we come away from lying, cheating, stealing, murdering, and God willing, we will. But let us go on to the places where we're loving and giving and serving, and let us do this more. Let us be that sacrificial people. So let me say these things and wrap this thing up. Meeting Jesus demands a radical repentance. We have seen this over and over and over. Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't matter. When people interact with Jesus, they change. uh, they, They might obey him and follow him. They might reject him and walk away from him. They might leave and join a new community They might leave and make him their new community. But every time somebody interacted with Jesus, not just if they got healed, they changed radically. And it doesn't mean they followed Jesus the rest of their lives. There's just a place for you and I to understand that interacting with Jesus in a very real way will change your life. Because it's not about your happiness, it's about your obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice, God said. To heed, to listen, and do is better than the fat of rams on a sacrificial altar, he said through Samuel. In Matthew 8, the scripture says the centurion replied, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word my servant will be healed. For I am uh, myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me and I tell this one to go and he does it and I um, tell that one to come and he comes and I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I say to you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such a great faith. He says to the Jewish people, about a pagan or a, a Gentile. I have not found anybody in, in, in Israel following God the way this Gentile soldier is. When somebody meets Jesus, something radical happens, and it starts in repentance. Not repentance like you're a horrible, but repentance like, oh no, we ripped the band aid off because we learned something new, and now we do it different. Even if it hurts, we do it different. We can trust God to make it right, but we do it God's way. Radical repentance creates a radical specific change. No one who interacted with Jesus said the same. And I love going down through some of these stories. They became angry. They became um, considerate. They acted. They were overjoyed. They were healed. They were called. They were sent. They were invited. They were instructed. They believed that they had become a part of something bigger than themselves. As Jesus interacts with people in the New Testament, they begin to follow those ones that become his disciples, and it gets radical. The scripture, I mean, the the happenings that took place in the 1500s that were referred to as the Reformation, those people stood up and decided that they had to live radically. That's why somebody's nailing a thesis on the church door, so to speak. It's why people were baptizing adults instead of infants. It's why people decided from now on, we're not going to let our babies get baptized. We're going to do it the way the Scripture says. It's why people began to say, wait a minute, I don't have to pay the church in order to get my dad out of hell. I need to be in a relationship with Jesus myself. It's why they began to say, I don't need somebody else to read the Scripture to me in Latin. I can read it for myself and they were called radicals, and they were burned at the stake, and when they were, they were overjoyed because they were considered worthy of suffering for Jesus Christ. Wow. In the book of 2 Corinthians, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new, the new creation has come. I memorized it in a different version, but if anybody is, a new, is in Christ, he's a new creation. The new has come, the old is gone. The old is gone, the new has come can that be said about me? Do I attend church? Have I become the church? Am I following after Jesus? I say this often, probably haven't said it enough during the COVID experience. We're going to call it that sooner or later. So let's just start now. The COVID experience. Yeah, that's uh, 2019 to 2023, just about. But anyway, okay, think back five years. Where were you in your relationship with Jesus and how you interacted with the communities that we live in? Your personal community, your local community, your family community, your work community. Are you a different person than you were? And at some point you back up and you say, okay, what about two and a half years ago? Or you can say, what about 20 years ago? Are you continuing to evidence change? Because a tree, when it bears fruits, when it's bearing fruit, never stops growing up. It bears fruit as it's growing up. It doesn't get to a place and say, there, this is it, I'll bear more fruit. It keeps growing. The old falls off, the old fruit, the old branches break off, but it keeps producing new, significant growth to the trunk of the tree. And that's us. Last thing I want to share with you is this. Radical change grows the church. It grows the church and changes the community. Matthew said, uh, recording Jesus's words, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now look at this, what Jesus says in the same way. I had this discussion with somebody this past week. It was a great discussion. Um, here, Here we go in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven just verse 16 suggests a radical change in your personal life why won't you use that kind of language anymore why aren't you watching those movies anymore why aren't you looking at pornography anymore why aren't you um talking bad about your spouse anymore why aren't you the list can go on and on and on but there should be something about your character and your actions that sets you apart in a sort of radical way that people are looking at you saying you're a little bit different I don't think you've got to be Amish I don't think you've got to be weird but I think there's a place that people should look at us and say hey but but you're not what we normally think of when we think of Christians you're different you're enjoying your life, you're pressing on, you're making sacrifice, you're reaching out, you're loving people different than you, you're standing up for what's right, and you're not backing down, even if it costs you friends and family. Because it was Jesus who said, I've come to set a mother, I mean, a, a, yeah, a mother against her daughter, and a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, a father against his son, and a father-in-law against his father, or son-in-law. That's pretty radical. Is that the life that you and I are living? Let your good deeds shine so that people can see them and glorify God, especially when they um, ask you about it. Jesus said this in a time when people were selling things and bringing the money to church, meeting together daily to have prayer times. They were feeding people every single day at the church. Radical changes were taking people Uh, taking place in people's lives as a result. People were coming to know Jesus. People were getting healed back in the uh, early days of the church. The church was growing and people couldn't stop talking about Jesus in their life. Jesus didn't come to serve us. They understood we surrender to God so we can serve Him. And if He wants me to go to Eastern Asia, then I'll go. If He wants me to go to um, 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 Europe to spread the gospel, I'll go. Because if I say no, He's not my Lord. And if I say yes, then I live in surrender. In Acts 4, it says the priests and the captains of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail till the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. You might say, you know, I don't believe in this whole mega church movement. The mega church movement started when Peter stood up and preached his first message and 3,000 people got saved. What's your number for mega church? 3,001? <laughs> people are going to hell. And if you and I don't live radically changed, if we don't live radically changed lives, different from the culture around us, who's going to tell these people that there's hope? If we tell them that there's hope and they blow it off, there's no blood on our hands. But if we walk with people and if say we love people, but we won't talk to them about their need for salvation, then Ezekiel would say that blood is on our hands. If people look at me and say, well, if you do this, that, and the other thing, what's so different that I should follow your God? I need to look at myself and say, what's going on? Radical change. God is asking you in 2023 to make a radical big change, not a little change, I believe the Holy Spirit was very clear to me when he said, you're in this room because every day ordained for you was written down in God's book before one of them came to pass. It's Psalm 139. David said it. And you're here because God needs you to hear that he is asking you to make a radical change, a radical give yourself up, a radical different understanding of following Jesus, a radical step. But we won't make it because it scares us. It was Jesus that said, if your right arm, right hand offends you, cut it off. I don't think he meant for us to go around maimed and mutilated, but he made a point. What good is it to go to heaven whole? Excuse me, what is it to meet God whole if we're not going to walk into heaven? And he's just saying, get radical. Here at this church, there's going to be some, children, uh, some changes um, in this year. We're going into it embracing the change. You heard Pastor Jeff talk about the idea that we're moving forward. I'll just tell you out loud, we're going to be looking for a full-time youth pastor for our student ministries, um, and so we're going to be heading down that record, our, our, our high school student ministries. We are going to be looking for a full-time um, uh, worship leader. I'm just going to out that right now. Um, not look behind me at all. Um, she's not leaving, but dead gum she went and got a degree and she wants to use it. I don't think that's of the Lord personally, but it's okay. I love her desperately, her and her husband def- desperately. Um, they'll still be here, still be a part of what's going on, but she's got a ministry helping people. And I want to encourage and embrace that. And in our children's area, we're going to take a different track because our children have to be imported to us. If we don't make our children important, then we're saying something to them about our own relationship to Jesus Christ. There I said it. There I said it. And I want us to to consider what's going to be our part. You're sitting here and you know God is asking you to take a big leap. And it's scaring you to death. And this is how I know. Because your breathing changed and you're sweating that I'm going to look at you. people are up here to pray for you as you wrestle with that but never this is this is horrible grammar but I want to do this on purpose never don't deal with it always deal with it always be willing to wrestle always be willing to grow always be willing to change always be willing to say yes We're going to go into this closing song and these people are up here just to pray over whatever you're facing going into 2023 and i want to encourage you in that while we're singing this song just feel free to come up here and let them pray for you let's pray father who is god in heaven we thank you for jesus christ and the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness saves us from our sin and makes us members of the family we thank you for what it means to receive this free gift of grace that doesn't come with works so that anybody can boast, Lord, but it is a free gift from God, but it requires us to embrace it. Thank you that all of my sins are paid for on that cross. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And help me to live a life that brings glory and honor to you. Help me to change, Lord, and to understand what you're asking As we bow our heads, God, I ask your forgiveness for my sins, for the sins of this congregation. Let your spirit fall upon us today. If you should tarry, send us out, Lord. And let us be obedient to what you're calling us to. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Why don't we come to our feet as we go into this song. If you would like prayer for something, we would like to pray with you.